Welcome to the Preconception Podcast, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to guiding women through the preconception period. Our mission is to make sure you have the information you need in order to have the healthiest pregnancy possible, whether that happens next month or next year. The decisions you make today can significantly impact the health of you and your future children for years to come. So each week on our podcast, we'll discuss one piece of the preconception puzzle. This way, you can enter pregnancy empowered, informed, and in the best health possible. Join us on your journey and have today be the day you start planning your perfect pregnancy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Preconception Podcast. I am super excited about today's episode. Um, We have someone that you may be familiar with as a guest speaker today, and we're talking about a topic that I would say her and I probably both get lots of questions about. I'd like to introduce you guys to Ryan Kipping. She is a clinically trained registered dietitian nutritionist, certified lactation educator, and the author of the Feel Good Pregnancy Cookbook. She is the founder of The Prenatal Nutritionist, a virtual nutrition private practice which focuses on preparing women for pregnancy and conquering nutrition during and after pregnancy. She is also the founder of The Prenatal Nutrition Library, which is an online community for evidence-based nutrition information before and during pregnancy. And you may know her best from her Instagram account, Prenatal Nutritionist. So welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat today. So to get started, can you just tell our listeners a bit about your background? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was a great introduction, obviously, about who I am. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I actually went to school in Oklahoma. Um, I'm in California now. I I know you guys are probably listening from all over the place, but I feel like it's cool to like know where people are actually located. Um, So yeah, I went to undergrad in Oklahoma. Uh, Basically, I guess I like to say like what a registered dietitian is because there's a lot of confusion about, you know, the term nutritionist and then the term registered dietitian. So it's kind of similar to like a registered nurse is how I like to put it because I think when, when people hear that, they're like, oh, like nurses have to go through like clinicals and sit for a board exam. So like to be a registered dietitian, it's the same thing. Um, we have to go to an accredited university after we do all the prereqs. Um, then there's like a specific load of coursework that you have to take to be a dietitian. And then after that, you have to go through a pretty heavy internship. I think it's like 1600 hours or something like that. And you have to go through different rotations, like clinical, being in the hospital, food management, community, and you can do some like elective fun things you want to do as well. But then after you do all of that, so all the coursework, all the internship hours, then you're eligible to sit for the exam. So you do all of that in hopes of preparing you for the exam. You take the exam and then you're able to be a registered dietitian. After that, you still have to do continuing education um, every year, like most other health professionals as well. So it's really loaded um, and they're changing it to be a master's level degree. So I just have an undergrad right now. I'm almost done with my master's, but to be a dietitian, they're changing it to you have to have a master's. So even more education. Oh boy. Um, (laughs) Which is a good and bad thing, I guess you can say. Um, But all that to say, basically, 
RD and RDN is like a protected credential to where as really anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. Um, That's not to say that people can't get a nutrition degree and call themselves nutritionists. That's totally fine. They just couldn't call themselves a registered dietitian. So I guess that that hopefully that helps in sorting out the differences. But yeah, so that's me. And I obviously specialize in pregnancy and preconception. Um, I've been working in this space for over three years now. Before I had my own business, I was working in a clinic where I just felt super boxed in and like I couldn't teach what I wanted to teach. And I just was limited in creativity. Um, If you do follow me on Instagram, you know, I like to get super creative um, in my educational content and how I relay, you know, the most up-to-date science as it relates to prenatal nutrition and working in a clinic was just totally capping my capacity to do that. Um, and now I'm able to reach so many more women um, than just in like one clinic in San Diego, which is the beautiful thing about social media, right? Absolutely. And I love how you were like, it's just a bachelor's degree. And then you list like 1 million things that you have to do to complete (laughs) it. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I agree though. I think that's super helpful because people do use the term nutritionist and dietitian, um, maybe interchangeably or, you know, maybe incorrectly, I'm sure you see sometimes. And um, I think it's really helpful for people to know exactly what uh, educational background and experience is required to use a certain title, like you mentioned with registered dietitian. Um, I always love to give people a background, you know, as a PA myself, a lot of times there's misunderstanding with the PA profession as well. And so I totally agree. I think it's really important when people are seeking health education, um, and information, especially out of like the clinical setting, um, to understand the credentials of who they're receiving information from. Because a lot of people have different trainings, and I think all of those trainings and experience um, are important in different ways. But I think it's, you know, when you come back to the education and, like you said, sitting for boards in many professions, especially in healthcare, it's really important to understand, like, what went into that. So thank you so much for um for discussing that because I was actually going to ask you that anyways. um, I love your story, Ryan, because I know, you know, you and I have chatted before and actually Ryan is maybe our first podcast guest that I've met in person. So um, even, even more special, we're both in California. And so we actually got to meet up a little while ago, which was really, really fun. But um, you have such a common story that I think a lot of entrepreneurs have and specifically female entrepreneurs where you felt really boxed in in your prior, you know, utilizing your degree in a, in a prior setting and then, you know, found a way to kind of expand your ability to reach not only more people, but also be able to provide the information that you want. Yes, it's huge. I mean, it's been so eye-opening, like starting my career in you know, in a clinic, I think that's what most of us do and what most of us feel like we have to do, even though, you know, you don't have to do anything starting out in your career. And for dietitians, we're told that we have to have like two years of clinical experience before we go on to do anything else. And so again, that like puts a big box around you like, oh, well, this is my only option when really, you know, the options are endless. You just have to create a lot of the opportunities for yourself, which is a good and bad thing, right? Because it sounds pretty scary to be like, wait, I have to create this job. Um, and that's what I did because I I really did. I went to a lot of different 
types of clinics and like reached out to all sorts of different like OBGYN clinics and like asked if the position that I was thinking of existed and like the position just did not exist. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm creating this. (laughs) And that's essentially why I'm here. Totally. Yeah. And you know, that's a, that's a great point about like reaching out to clinics and different offices and things because having worked in OBGYN for several years myself, there like is not much in the way of nutrition in most offices. You know, there are some offices today that I think are becoming more modern and they incorporate more, um, you know, holistic care that might include like nutrition or things like within their offices. But for the large majority of OBGYNs or family practices, nutrition is just like not available to their patients. And as you talk about, you know, providers are like healthcare providers, like PAs or NPs or doctors or whoever, whatever kind of clinician you might be seeing is unlikely to be an expert on nutrition unless they have like further training in that field. And that's why I love reaching out to professionals like you, because as a PA, I certainly do not have the nutrition experience to speak on some of the topics that I want to, and uh, you guys do. So (laughs) I love collaborating with people like you, and I certainly wish that there were, you know, this was available where people do seek their healthcare, but I think that's the great thing about social media and the internet today is that you can actually find this information outside of like the traditional doctor's office. Yeah. And right. And people are doing that. Like that's what I found super early on when I started my journey as an entrepreneur was that women want this information. Like they are seeking it out. So that's a good thing. And I think that it is like you're saying, obviously it stinks that like you can't get it at your normal healthcare provider. Um, But then again, it's great that we have these types of platforms where we can reach so many people. Absolutely. And for anyone listening, by the way, healthcare providers do not typically get any business experience. So that too. (laughs) It is not easy to become an entrepreneur when you are trained in healthcare because you're like, I don't know what to do. And so if it feels like people are figuring it out as they go along, they probably are. (laughs) Yes, 100%. (sighs) All right. Well, so I'd love to talk today about prenatal vitamins. And this is a topic that I said, you know, you and I both get lots of questions on. um, And I'm really excited to have you here because you specialize in preconception nutrition. And I know you talk about different uh, supplements and vitamins and nutrients that people, you know, may or may not get before pregnancy that are super important for pregnancy specifically. So before we jump into that, can you just tell the listeners why taking a prenatal vitamin before pregnancy is so important rather than, let's say, waiting until you find out you're pregnant? Yeah, definitely. I love talking about this topic, so <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah, so people will ask me all the time, like, well, you know, when should I start taking a prenatal vitamin? And I'm like, well, if you're thinking about it, the time is right now. Like you should be taking it now. If you're listening to this podcast or if you're following, you know, me on Instagram or whoever on Instagram that is related to being pregnant anytime soon. Um, now is definitely the time. I really don't think it's ever too early, um, to start making nutrition changes and kind of just overall, um, looking at your health and seeing how you can improve things here and there. But to be more specific, um, many times women don't know they're pregnant. And I always say this until like, 
eight weeks even. Now it's getting a little bit earlier, like especially women that are going through IVF and those types of things, you find out a bit earlier. But for the most part, you often don't you know, know you're pregnant until midway through or almost all the way through the first trimester. And those early weeks, early months are super important. Um, so it's, it's vital that you make sure your nutrient stores for certain, certain nutrients that are involved in, you know, closing the neural tube, like folate and choline and all these nutrients we'll get to in a minute. Um, your levels are adequate before going into pregnancy since those first months are so vital. Um, And then the other point that I always like to make is when you're working on your nutrition, you can't really expect to just take a prenatal vitamin for one week or increase your folate for one week and then be like, okay, I'm good. (laughs) Um, It takes a lot of time. It can take months for some of these nutrients to build up. So that's why it's important to work on this as well ahead of time as you possibly can. Absolutely. And when I used to work clinically, I would always tell any woman of reproductive age to take a prenatal vitamin during my woman visits because of what you said. So we know in the US about 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. And so of course, if you're capturing women, you know, before their unplanned pregnancy and they're taking a prenatal vitamin, you've kind of Uh, removed some of those possible nutrient deficiencies that might have existed. But even for women who are planning a pregnancy, um, as you mentioned, sometimes I think it's just societally still, we have this idea that like we don't have to do anything for pregnancy until we become pregnant. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I, I know that you speak about this and we, of course, speak about this, that as you said, if you are thinking about pregnancy, whether that's in one year, two year, three years, you know, this is the time to start making those changes because one, it's important to make those changes before you ever become pregnant. And two, it is so stressful when you're pregnant with all of the visits and the nausea and just all of the things, you know, you're shopping for baby items and just there's so much going on during pregnancy. Like if you can remove any of that and put it in the preconception period, it just makes your life so much easier. Yeah, I totally agree. I I am in the same boat. I'm like, you when you find out you're pregnant, like you are going to have this whoa moment. Like everyone's like, holy crap, like I'm pregnant. Like everyone has that moment. And you instantly, like all of the things you just mentioned, there's so many things. Your to-do list just gets huge. Um, And then you also are realizing like, your food. You're like, oh my gosh, can I eat this? Can I eat that? Was I getting enough of that? Like then you're, there's so many questions. So again, in order to prevent that from happening, if you make these habits ahead of time, you won't really have that woe moment as far as nutrition goes. Absolutely. And you know, another point that you made that I love is that it takes a while to increase your stores. And so having worked with, with pregnant women for years, I can tell you there are so many women who spend their entire pregnancy trying to catch up on iron deficiency or vitamin D deficiency or whatnot. And sometimes despite taking, you know, iron supplements or whatnot, they never do. And so they find out that they're iron deficient um, or deficient in some supplement in the first trimester. If they're, if they're lucky, sometimes they don't find out till later in pregnancy. Um, but even if they find out when, when they first become pregnant, they can take months and months and months to finally get normal normal levels, and sometimes they never do. And we have so much research now centering around how certain nutrient deficiencies can be related to poor pregnancy outcomes, like higher rates of miscarriage or you know problems becoming pregnant to begin with, um, preterm labor, preeclampsia, things like that. 
And when we're thinking about, you know, not only becoming pregnant, but how we can have the healthiest pregnancy, focusing on the preconception period is just so vital. So vital. Yeah. And there's so, like you're saying about the research, there's so much coming out and there's, you know, research too, looking at how your nutrient stores were during preconception and how that related to your pregnancy outcome. So not the research isn't anymore just looking at like how healthy you are in pregnancy, how healthy is your pregnancy outcome? It's looking at how healthy you were prior to pregnancy and how healthy your pregnancy outcome was. So it's just crazy interesting. Absolutely. And if anyone's listening to this being like, why has my healthcare provider not talked to me about this? I just want to say that it takes on average 17 years to go from research to clinical practice. And so some of the research that's coming out nowadays may not make it to clinical practice for a decade. So, you know, following people who are up to date, like Ryan, on these topics literally gives you like an extra 10 years of knowledge that you may not have gotten. Yeah, right. Choline. They literally just put choline in the dietary guidelines. I'm like, it's crazy, right? (laughs) It's like astounding. All right. So if someone wants, they're like, I don't, I just want like a number. Like when should I start taking my prenatal vitamin? I'm not going to take it for 10 years before I become pregnant, but I do want to take it during the preconception period. When would you say someone should, you know, at minimum start taking their prenatal vitamin? And then when would you say would be the most ideal to start taking it? I think at a minimum, like six months. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I think at a minimum six months would be good. Um, If you know you're like a year out or something, I think that's optimal. Um, Even before that, right? Like if you maybe don't want to go like the full extent to taking a prenatal vitamin, that's like a huge horse pill or that has eight pills or, you know, there's a lot of them that are like that. Um, Just looking at a quality multivitamin or even going to meeting with a registered dietitian or someone who can run nutrient tests for you and just kind of getting specific with nutrients that you might need to focus on. Just that you're thinking like, I'm going to have kids in the future. (laughs) I should probably work on these. Um, But not even that, like having those nutrients at optimal levels is going to give you more energy and just going to improve your overall health, like outside of pregnancy and all that good stuff. Totally. And I completely agree with you. I used to say when I was a new clinician, like at least three months before pregnancy, but then I learned about egg and sperm production. So this goes for men in some situations too. Um, I learned about egg production and how essentially the eggs that you're using when you ovulate during a certain cycle have actually started developing several months before that. And so when you think about that you're like, oh, well, if I just start taking vitamins three months before I get pregnant, then again, I have not allowed my body to, you know, replenish any deficiencies that I have before those eggs start maturing. And so, um, yeah, so I agree. I think at least six months, a year is ideal. Um, you know, we consider the preconception period to be the 12 months before you get pregnant, but in reality, you should be kind of living your life in the preconception period. As you mentioned, you know, the benefits that we talk about relate specifically to pregnancy when we're talking about preconception, but really the benefits of better nutrition, you know, correcting any deficiencies, they can help you in so many areas of your life. Like you mentioned, energy levels, um, you know, weight, weight gain or loss, depending on your goals, um, 
hair health, right? Like there's like vitamins that help with your like hair and your skin. Yeah. And so there's like no damage that I can think of that can be done by starting to focus on your nutrition too early, right? Like that doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So you mentioned this a little bit when you were talking about taking a multivitamin. Um, could you just kind of very quickly overview what the main differences are, if there are any, between what would be like a women's multivitamin versus a prenatal vitamin? Yeah, that's a good question because some of them are very different and then you'll see some of them have very similar nutrients. And it's going to, of course, depend on like the brand you're looking at and everything like that. But generally speaking, when you're looking at a prenatal vitamin, it should be more comprehensive, meaning like it should contain more nutrients. Um, And then also hopefully higher amounts too, because with pregnancy, obviously your nutrient needs do increase for several nutrients. So hopefully when you're looking at a prenatal vitamin, it does contain higher, um, you know, quantities of some of the nutrients too. Yeah, that's a really good point and is a good segue into my next question, which is which supplements should every prenatal vitamin contain in your opinion? And I know that this varies, you know, depending on people's certain nutrient needs, but if we were just saying overall, like at minimum, every prenatal vitamin should, should contain these nutrients, what would you say they are? Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely a long list and I think that some of the ones we're going to go over, um, nail some of the key nutrients, but there's also many prenatal vitamins on the market that are just totally missing nutrients or have like very limited amounts of certain nutrients. So I think, you know, for sure, uh, choline, folate, vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin K2, which most, most contain vitamin K1, um, selenium, magnesium, B12, iodine, zinc, calcium. I think those are all pretty important. Um, vitamin C was another one that I didn't say on there, but that is one as well. And calcium, honestly, calcium and iron are like an interesting conversation to have because you'll hear like a lot of recommendations out there that everyone needs to find a prenatal vitamin with iron. You know, you'll see like, make sure your prenatal vitamin at least has folic acid and iron. (laughs) And I'm like, ah, um, because not everybody needs iron and iron is one of those supplements that causes a lot of side effects for women. Um, and if you're pregnant, like you already have plenty of symptoms that you're dealing with. So you don't want anything else to add to that. And unfortunately iron can do that a lot of times. So again, that comes back to testing, right? Which you're, queen of testing. So, um, testing iron, your iron level and seeing where it's at. Um, and if it's good, then you probably are okay. Not supplementing with iron for now. Um, but like we said, if you do are potentially someone that has struggled with like anemia in the past, um, or just low iron levels in general, you're someone who you definitely want to continue testing before pregnancy throughout pregnancy, because your risk only increases as you get further along in your pregnancy. So all that to say, you may or may not need iron in your prenatal vitamin. Um, a lot of the super comprehensive ones that have like a whole, like pretty much every single nutrient you could ever think of, um, don't contain iron just because of the fact that I mentioned, and they like to generally say, take it separately than all your other nutrients, because Mm -hmm. going back to the calcium, no iron and calcium 
compete for absorption. So generally you shouldn't be taking those two together. That's great. And I totally agree about the iron component. Um, one thing that I see, and I honestly, I think that the blanket recommendation of like folic acid and iron and everything comes from just, as you mentioned, like that lack of knowledge or information that providers have, right? Like we don't have a huge nutrition component in our education. Um, you know, there's maybe one class or a few lectures or something like that. And it's certainly not enough to really understand the interplay between all of them, uh, all of the different nutrients. And so one thing that I think is really important to take away from this is that you can still take a prenatal vitamin without iron, especially if you're having side effects. I see a lot of women completely stop their prenatal vitamins, especially during pregnancy because of the side effects that they're having either from the pregnancy itself or from the prenatal vitamins. And it's like, if, if so many people just knew that you could get it without the iron, that's causing a lot of your nausea and constipation or whatever. Um, I think we'd have, you know, (laughs) a much better, uh, uh, adherence rate, I guess. So totally. And I completely agree about, uh, testing iron stories and things like that. You know, one of the tests that we offer is a complete blood count, which tests for a million different factors. And, you know, you have to be able to interpret it pretty well, which surprisingly, a lot of people can't, there's a lot of components of a complete blood count, you know, the way that you interpret it determines on like how those results uh, coincide together. But when you're looking for iron deficiency, you know, one of the things that you might see is a low hemoglobin count, a low hematocrit count, a low MCV, which is mean form muscular volume, and then a couple other ones that might be low uh, with iron deficiency. And so that's always a great starting place. It doesn't measure iron itself, but I always think it's a great screening test, um, especially because people can meet some barriers when they're actually getting iron testing, especially from providers. And so at minimum, I think that's a really good test that everyone should have before uh, pregnancy. Obviously during pregnancy, we do CBCs. And then if you have, you know, certain levels that are abnormal, um, you should definitely investigate that further with an iron panel. Yep. Totally agree. Testing all the way. Yep. Um, Okay. So before we get into a few specific popular prenatal vitamins. Is there anything else that women should be looking for in a prenatal vitamin aside from just what's in it? Um, And I'm thinking things like certain quality control, you know, procedures, uh, where the ingredients are sourced from, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. So I'm a big um, proponent of looking for quality supplement brands, obviously. And generally how I note that is through third-party testing. So as I don't know how many people know this, but supplements are not well regulated at all by the FDA. So it's super important that you're kind of like doing extra fact checking on brands um, and just making sure that it's a quality product. And what third-party testing essentially is, is the company pays another third-party company to take their supplement, test it, make sure it doesn't have anything that it's not supposed to have in there, like toxins, like lead and things like that. Um, And also truth in labeling as well. So like if it says it has five milligrams of this, like does it really have that? Um, There's just all sorts of things that like you can test for and see, yes, this is true. This is, there is that much in there that they're saying there is. Um, and there's none of these other things that could potentially be harmful. Um, and usually this is pretty easy to 
find. They will put it on their website if they have third-party testing. They will probably put a stamp of approval that says third-party tested on their um, supplement bottle if you're looking in the stores. So generally, it's pretty easy to know if they do or if they don't have third-party testing. And then the other thing I would look for is like activated vitamins. So we can kind of talk about this a little more too, but basically the active form of vitamins comes from like real food sources. Essentially a lot of supplement companies will um, put like the cheapest versions, right? Because they're trying to do the most inexpensive formation of their supplement. Um, So they take the synthetic forms of certain nutrients and use those as opposed to using like the real food activated versions of the vitamins. So yes, the supplement that you're choosing is probably going to be more expensive um, if it has the active forms of vitamins, but to me, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that the unfortunate piece of the supplement puzzle today is that there are so many brands and so much misinformation. I think it's just very overwhelming for people. Even for myself, like I love getting recommendations from, you know, like my naturopath or a nutritionist or someone who specializes in, uh, or at least has more information than me in supplements, because oftentimes I get questions about like, which supplements are the best. And even I have a hard time recommending certain ones to my patients because I'm like, oh my God, there's so many and it depends on so many factors. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. It's overwhelming. I mean, it's, again, it's like a good and bad thing. Like we have a lot of choices, but we also have a lot of choices. (laughs) Um, so it's definitely overwhelming. Yeah. And I would say probably the majority of the population just wants someone to be like, take this one. (laughs) For sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so in an effort to simplify things a little bit for some of our listeners, um, we have chosen three very popular prenatal vitamins to discuss today. So these are ones that you may have heard about. I think they have great marketing. Uh, I think they're very popular amongst the reproductive age cohort of women that exists. And uh, I wanted to speak with Ryan about these today because they're ones that you're probably going to hear a lot about. Um, and I want you guys to know what the good, what the bad, and, you know, overall how they kind of size up to some of these, some of these other companies that you might see. So today we're going to be talking about, uh, Binto Prenatal Plus, Belly for Women, and Ritual Prenatal. Again, these are pretty popular ones. And so that's why we chose them. We didn't choose them because we think they're, you know, better or worse, although we'll definitely discuss some of the pros and cons of them. We just chose them because they are very popular. And so when you're hearing a lot about them, you're more likely to choose them and we want you to have an informed decision uh, on that. And so let's start with Vinco's uh, Prenatal Plus. Um, this company, I particularly like for one specific reason, uh, well, two specific reasons. They have a female founder, and I always love to support female-founded companies as a female entrepreneur myself, but they actually are one of the only companies I've found that offer a quiz. So online, you can go in and it asks you questions like, you know, do you have a history of iron deficiency or have you been told that you are vitamin D deficient or whatnot? And so I think that it's one of the consumer brands that allows you to cater a little bit more carefully Um, to yourself. And so what's nice about them is while they have this prenatal plus vitamin, um, if you have additional needs, like let's say you've worked with someone or you've had testing and you know that you're deficient in certain areas, you can actually add on those particular things. 
Um, and so that's a, that's a great plus about this company. But speaking specifically about their prenatal plus vitamin, which is their more comprehensive of their two prenatal vitamins, what are your thoughts about what they do well? Um, so pros, definitely they have the active form of folate, like I was just talking about wanting to get the activated version. So they have the active form of folate and the B vitamins as well. I think those are all the active forms too, as I'm looking through it. Yep. Um, it does contain choline. So that's definitely a plus. It has not a lot. So I can see there's like 20 milligrams, I think of choline, which is not a huge amount. Um, but it's definitely, they included it, which a lot of brands don't. So that's definitely a positive. Um, the other positive is the magnesium because most brands either leave magnesium out or again, it's like a very limited amount. So I think the magnesium in it is great. Um, depending on if, I mean, depending on if you have ever supplemented with magnesium, before in the past. I mean, it could be even too much for you now that I'm looking at it. Generally, I like to start with like a dose of like 100 milligrams of magnesium and kind of work our way up to like 300, depending on the person, right? Everyone has different needs. Um, But I do like that it has that much magnesium. Um, It does have zinc, selenium, those two nutrients that I mentioned uh, previously. It does it have, does it have iodine? Oh yeah, it has iodine too. So that's a plus. The downside I think is that it has calcium and iron. And I couldn't figure out if these were in two separate pills or not, because I know there's two, it's like a packet, right? It is a packet. And that's a really good question um, because it says serving size is two capsules. And I don't know if they're separate. Yeah. My impression of this was that these were two capsules that you take with everything in them. And then you can always add on additional separately, like through that little quiz that you can take. Um, but that's a great question. I don't, I would assume looking at the label that it's together, but I'm not positive. Yeah. 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 I know that's the only, that's one of the downsides here. Um, I would say because usually, I mean, some supplements will have both, right. But they'll have, like 27 milligrams of iron. Um, and then they'll have like 200 milligrams of calcium, which in that case scenario, like you're getting the iron because your calcium needs are right at like a thousand milligrams, but this one actually has high amounts of both. So that could be definitely a downfall of this one. Great. Is there anything else that you think they could improve upon if you were looking at this? I think the other thing is the, um, vitamin K. So they only have vitamin K1 and not vitamin K2, like I was mentioning earlier as well. And then the vitamin A, so vitamin A, like we could talk about, that's a whole nother podcast on its own. (laughs) Um, But so beta carotene is the kind that most of us are familiar with, and that's the one found in plants. Um, But what has to happen in our bodies is that we have to take that version and turn it into the active form to actually be utilized. So it's ideal if a supplement has some of both um, because the more beta carotene you ingest, the less is actually converted to the active form. So it's definitely like a double-edged sword. It's a really um, interesting nutrient. Ooh, that is interesting. I did not know that. Um, And can you speak a little bit about the difference between K1 and K2? Yeah, so this is a, a super interesting nutrient as well because, you know, now that more research is coming out about 
both of these nutrients they're like realizing that they probably should have been named like two totally different nutrients in two very different categories because they have such different functionalities so we think of like vitamin k in leafy greens and again like vegetables and things like that um but vitamin k2 is actually found in more animal sources i'm like losing my train of thought so so yeah, they, and they're thought to have very different functioning. So vitamin K1, I think we think of in like blood clotting and, and stuff like that. I don't know if that's what first comes to your mind. <laughs> um, but vitamin K2 is more involved in like the development of the skeleton, like in pregnancy, for example, and your bone health and things like that. It really plays a role and is a partner with like vitamin D, magnesium, calcium, all of those nutrients that are considered like bone forming and bone building nutrients. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, one, they do sound completely different. And two, I think that we could probably have a whole podcast on vitamin K also because I know that there uh, there's a lot of confusion about vitamin K and the vitamin K shot that newborns get and, you know, all of these things and how you supplement and whatnot. Um, but I think that's a really good, like, overall summary of, of what to look for when you're talking about vitamin K. Yeah. Okay, so it seems like they have some some – pros and some cons. Overall, what would you, would you say that you would recommend this prenatal vitamin for someone who's looking to conceive? Um, hard to say, hard to say. Um, everyone again, you know, needs are so unique. So, I mean, it could work for someone. Um, I don't know if I would recommend it across the board just because that calcium iron thing really bothers me. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, so let's go on to our second one. So this one is the Belly for Women. And so the Belly Baby Company is known for their prenatal supplements for men, but they actually have just launched their Belly for Women, which is their prenatal vitamin. Um, and so I was interested to include this one because it's going to be new on the market. And I'm sure some people will be hearing about them um, in the near future. So taking a look at the Belly for Women vitamin, what would you say they do well? Yeah. So, I mean, they have 400 milligrams of choline, which is awesome. Most supplements don't even get close to that. So that's really good. Um, again, active form of folate, that's really good. Active form of B12, that's fantastic. Um, they actually do have vitamin K2. You can see it says miniquinone. So that is actually vitamin K2. That's good. Um, vitamin D, that's great. They have zinc. They also have magnesium, which is in, you know, they actually have a decent amount of magnesium too. So, um, score points there. Iodine. Yep. They have iodine in a higher amount than the other one. I think we were looking at a little bit higher. Um, let me see what else they don't have. They actually have iron, but no calcium. So that's a plus too, right? So basically they chose to focus on iron versus calcium. So if this is, you know, someone who has struggled with anemia in the past, maybe that might be a good fit. The downside is that there's no vitamin A at all. That's interesting. You're right. There is no vitamin A. Yeah. Now, is vitamin A something that most people could get through their diet or do most people need to have supplementation specifically when we're talking about preconception and pregnancy? I think it should. I think you should try to find it in your supplement. Um, it's, it's definitely 
hard, especially when people, if you're someone who is like limited meat intake, you might struggle meeting your vitamin A needs. Again, so many people think, oh, I'm just going to eat more sweet potatoes and carrots and I'll be good. But again, like I said, the more of that you eat, actually the worse you're going to convert to the active form you actually need. That's why I say it's almost just a safer insurance policy to in policy to have some vitamin A in your supplement. So I think that's the biggest downfall of this one. Okay, so I guess if someone were to choose this one, maybe just having an additional vitamin A supplement might be helpful. Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right. So overall, how would you say this one stacks up against kind of the plethora of vitamin prenatal vitamins that are available today? This one's not bad. Honestly, it's got some really good qualities, um, better than some, some I've seen for sure. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, and then our third one that we wanted to talk about was ritual prenatal. So this one may be the most well-known. Um, they have that clear bottle with the little yellow capsules with the beads (laughs) that are very pleasing to the eye. Oh yeah. They're marketing spot on. It really is. Uh, kudos to them for that. And um, they also have, I don't know if I want to call I don't know if it's flavors, but they have like, you know, mint or lemon that make it a little bit more pleasing to take the supplement, um, which actually I didn't mention this, but Binto, I actually have been trying them out myself to see how they are. And they have this like minty capsule, at least in the one that I have, they have a minty capsule in it also, which I think does help stomach the vitamins a little bit. So um, I think that Ritual was onto something when they created that in their prenatals because it seems like other people have followed suit. But how would you say, or what would you say that Ritual does well? Yeah, I think marketing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think that does better for something, right? <laughs> I know. I get so many questions about this one. And so many of my clients come to me and they're like, well, I'm taking Ritual. And I'm always like, oh, no, I'm just kidding. It can be, it can work for some people. Again, just like the other ones we reviewed, they can work for some people. Everyone's needs are individualized. And that's why it's so important to seek out individualized help. Um, but okay, so Ritual, I think, what they do well is obviously vitamin D. They have 2000 IUs, which this is, again, we can talk about vitamin D for hours. Um, generally, 2000 is like bare, bare basics of what I think pregnant women could possibly need. You know, I have clients that are supplementing with up to like 7,000 IUs in order to get their levels where we need them. So when a supplement has like 2,000 baseline, I think that's pretty good. So I do like that about it. Um, I do like the folate. They use the active form of folate, the active form of B12. They do have choline, but again, it's a super minimal amount. It's 55 um, milligrams, whereas the other one we just looked at has like 400, right? So mm, it's a little bit um, pro and con. Um, They have iron instead of calcium, which again, same things as I stated before there. Um, They do have iodine, which is great, but it is not a whole lot. So for iodine, your needs actually um, increase by 50%, which is actually a lot. And this one has meets like 52% of needs. And I think these, these should be pregnancy daily values, but 
we can talk about that percent daily value too, <laughs> what that means. Um, they do have magnesium, so that's good. And they have vitamin K2, so that's good as well. Like the nutrients that they focus on here are great, but they are missing several nutrients too. Again, like we said at the, the one before this, a huge downfall of that one was they don't have vitamin A and this one doesn't have vitamin A either. Um, this one doesn't have zinc either. Um, it doesn't have vitamin C. So there are some definitely some things lacking. Um, I've heard, like you said too, that it, it's good going down. Like it doesn't increase nausea <laughs> um, or symptoms. So I think that can definitely be a plus if, you know, I do have a client that is like super struggling with some of these symptoms, then this might be something to consider, but that's all, you know, relative to. Totally. And one thing that, that ritual has, um, that is interesting and I think helpful is it has DHA, which some people may be familiar is I would say more recently been associated with, um, like brain health for baby and things like that. And so that one that I is one that I know, um, I think Vinto, you can add it on. I think when you take your, their quiz, they have the option to add that one. Um, but I didn't, I didn't see that in the other ones, this DHA. Yeah. I think that, again, I think that them having that in the prenatal again is a pro and con. And I think the reason that they are able to include it is like some of these other nutrients that they didn't include are kind of bulky, which is just like when you put a vitamin together, like they're just large. I don't know how to explain it. So some supplement companies will leave them out just because of that. Um, and so I think that allows them to include the DHA in the capsules, which if you're someone who does not like to swallow pills at all and like wants to keep their pills that they're taking to an absolute minimum, then I think it's definitely a pro that it's already included because like you just said, um, a lot of other ones don't have it in the prenatal necessarily, you would just have to add it on additionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so overall, would you say that any one of these is better than the other? Or does it kind of just depend on your specific nutrient needs and, you know, doing that kind of pro-con assessment in your head? Like this one's missing this one, but I can take that separately. Or this one's missing this one, but, you know, it's easier for me to stomach. Yeah, I think definitely it's going to be, you know, well, number one, above all, if you have the means to meet with a, you know, registered dietitian, I think that's king. Do that to make sure you can get your lab work reviewed and have something catered to you specifically. Um, But if not, then I think, yeah, just weighing out kind of what we did just now, um, thinking about your intake, what you can stomach. um, And you, like we're saying too, you can always trial one. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. Try another one. People will ask me that a lot too. Like, oh my gosh, can I switch in the middle of my pregnancy? And generally, yeah, it's really not a big deal. So if you do find yourself like all of a sudden you cannot handle your prenatal vitamin (laughs) um you can most likely switch to another one yeah I agree I can't think of any reason why at least overall why someone wouldn't be able to switch unless maybe they have some you know specific medical condition right exactly that's what I was thinking too yeah so well this is super helpful for me and I I think it will be super helpful (laughs) for our listeners um are there any prenatal vitamins that you think do a better job overall? Like there are there any brands that you tend to recommend? Yeah. So I actually, in the prenatal nutrition library, I go over, 
I think it's like seven or eight different brands. Um, and I talk about pros and cons of each. So it's pretty, um, extensive pros and cons of each. I also have a little paragraph too of like who would potentially benefit from that specific supplement. So like I was just mentioning some of the things, like if you're a vegetarian or even if you're a low meat eater, um, if you're someone who is struggling with anemia or if you're someone who's never struggled with anemia. So I kind of detail all of those things and say, this might benefit you if, um, and then I go over some, there's some powder prenatal vitamins on the market now. So for some of those, I just talked about, um, a company called Needed on my Instagram recently. And so they have their prenatal vitamin as a powder. So I'm like, that could be beneficial for someone who does like a daily smoothie every day. Um, but if you're not really someone who does a lot of smoothies or something like that, then that's not going to be one that's probably beneficial for you. So there's so many things to consider. Um, it's all, I have so many reviews in the prenatal nutrition library and then I review, actually, I think I have a review of ritual in there, but I don't have these other two. So it was good that, um, we reviewed these. Yeah, definitely. Well, and like you said, there's literally hundreds. So I, yeah. mean, you <laughs> I know, I you know. You could review all day long and probably not hit all of them. Yeah. Oh, and to that point too, in the library as well, I go over like, at the beginning of the podcast when I was shouting off some specific nutrients to look for. <laughs> if you didn't write those down, I have all of those down and all of the other tips that I mentioned too with, you know, additional things as well. Yeah. And so for anyone who's not familiar with Ryan, she has this prenatal nutrition library. It's a subscription service, correct? Yep. Yeah. And she just developed an app for it. So there's a website and an app and she has great nutrition information on there. She breaks it down in really simple ways that I think makes it accessible to everyone. So, you know, a lot of times these conversations, they feel, they may feel kind of over your head, like, oh my God, there's so many nutrients and I feel so confused about them. And, you know, as Ryan mentioned, the most ideal scenario is to have an evaluation yourself, you know, assess your, uh, with a registered dietitian, um, or someone who specializes in, this, in this, specializes in this topic, where you can assess you know, how your nutrition stands, where you can get some of these in real food, because that's really the goal, ultimately, where you might need to supplement, um, how much you might need to supplement, what forms you might need to supplement, you know, you can get all of those personalized recommendations, that's really ideal. And then of course, get your preconception testing so that you know where you are deficient. In. But if you can't do that, I think that the prenatal uh, nutrition library is a really helpful thing to either add on to that or, you know, do separately if you're not able to have that individualized assessment, because it allows you to get some of that information without having to Google 1 million different supplements and try to differentiate the research on your own, which even for someone like myself could be really confusing. And so um, I think it's a great resource that you have. And I love that you do, you know, comparisons of different vitamins and who they're, who's best for what, because I think if there's one takeaway from this podcast is it's that there are lots of prenatal vitamins. They all have pros and cons. There's not one that's best for everyone, but there may be one that's best for you, depending on what you need. Yep. That's a perfect summary. And so we will include some discount codes from the vitamins that we spoke about today. Um, the companies were nice enough to give give us discount codes. And so if you guys do want to try them, um, you know, maybe do an assessment and see which ones might be right for you. You can certainly do that. You can join the prenatal nutrition library where you can get more information. We'll put a link in our show notes for that as well. Um, 
And I hope that this episode was really helpful for everyone at at least starting the conversation about what you should be looking for in a prenatal. So Ryan, before we leave, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? No, this was awesome. I hope it was super helpful to all of you. The other thing I wanted to mention about joining the library is that there is a questions forum too that you'll get access to, which is something that I specifically answer. So I can't, of course, provide individualized guidance in the forums, but you can post different products, different supplements. Um, a lot of people post um, food products too to ask about their safety, different um powders like that are supplements, but are like protein powders or things like that, just to get extra guidance on. So I will actually go review those products and let you know um, whether I give them like a thumbs up, it's probably safe, or I would probably avoid it. Uh, So it's another huge benefit of joining the library. Definitely. And how can our listeners find you? What's the best way to find your information? So definitely Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at prenatal nutritionist. You can also check out my website, which is just theprenatalnutritionist.com. And then the library is theprenatalnutritionlibrary.com. So those are all great ways to get more information. And you have a pretty popular TikTok as well. Oh, yes, that's right. Also see me on TikTok. Yeah, I'm at prenatal nutritionist there as well. Okay, perfect. So we will link all of that information in the show notes so that you guys don't have to write it down. Um, and you can access it directly as well as information about these supplements and where you can find them if you're interested in the ones we spoke about today. As a reminder, we do offer preconception testing um, that looks at some of the things we spoke about. And this is the first time I'm saying this publicly, but we are going to be launching a new test package that will include vitamin D testing, which I'm super excited about. Yay! Yeah, I am so excited. We've been waiting for so long. Um, the approval process was, was lengthy for this one, but we finally got approval. And so later uh, in the next couple of months, I guess I should say. So in the next couple of months, we will be launching our new test package that will include seven additional preconception tests with vitamin D being one of them. And we kind of breathed over vitamin D a little bit today, but there are so many benefits of vitamin D. I think we probably should do another podcast on that separately. Um, because that one's not spoken about enough as it relates to the preconception period in pregnancy. And so many people are deficient in vitamin D. So anyways, um, we will link the information to purchase your preconception testing in our show notes. We also have a promo code for that. If you use the promo code podcast, all capital letters, you can save $50 off your preconception testing at preconceptiontest.com. Um, and if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us at preconception test on Instagram or at our email podcast at preconceptiontest.com. We're always looking for new topics and ideas. Um, we often get requests for, for, we often get requests for podcast topics and we try to record them whenever we get them because we want to provide the information that you guys are looking for. And we know that the preconception period can be very confusing and overwhelming, Um, And we want to give you as much information as as possible for that. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that this will be a really popular podcast um, and I'm hoping that it will help dispel some of the confusing information and myths that exist surrounding prenatal vitamins and supplementation. Thanks for having me. The information provided in the Preconception podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be interpreted as medical advice. Please speak with your healthcare provider to learn more about your health before pregnancy. 